Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Vicki Child Show, PI Answers, here on the Zeus Radio Network. I'm, uh, I'm happy to have some special guests today, and we're going to talk about a subject that is very, um, I hate to say prevalent, but, but certainly happens a lot in our society. And, and I also want to give a little bit of a disclaimer because nursing homes serve a very important purpose. I've had family members and and family friends who have been residents in nursing homes and they've they've been treated really well in most cases and and I'm not here to bash nursing homes by any means because they do serve a very important purpose but in our in our population I, I read recently on the National Victim uh, Crime Victim Center the the statistic that talked about elder abuse and it said that by the year 2025, we will have more than 62 million people in the United States who are over 65 years old, which means that nursing homes and assisted living homes are even going to be more needed and more prevalent. And and because of that, and because a lot of us will end up there, um, we need to be informed and be aware of what the services nursing homes provide and also some of the pitfalls and and problems that nurses, nursing homes suffer from, just like anything else in society. So I want to talk about that today, but again, I'm not bashing nursing homes. We're just bringing to everyone's attention information that you might need to make a, an informed decision on where your loved one should go and also how to be alert and keep your eyes open for things that might be problems in those facilities later on down the road. Joining me today is attorney Glenn Churchill. Glenn is a, an attorney in Charleston, South Carolina, and he and I worked on a, a nursing home case, and he is a former prosecutor too, right, Glenn? That's, yep. Okay. That's right. So, um, Glenn, if you would, give us a little bit about your background, and then I want to ask you some questions about nursing home abuse cases. All right, Vicki. Well, I was a prosecutor here in Charleston for about 14 years before going into private practice uh, in a criminal defense practice and a plaintiff's litigation practice about 10 years ago with uh, Jackson Clare. And when I, one of the very first cases uh, we got when we went into private practice was the, the case that you mentioned that uh, you and Jack and I worked on uh, together, uh, a nursing home case. And subsequent to that, we've had a, a number of nursing home cases that we've handled. And what is what is the common denominator here? What do you usually see that happens in these cases? Well, I think I think the common denominator in nursing home cases that we've seen is to start with is uh, is an untrained, overworked staff. Uh, that's the common denominator, I think. But uh, which which leads to what what people unfortunately see in some nursing homes. And I agree with you that, you know, they serve a wonderful purpose, but just some of them uh, uh, just fall below standards. And, and sometimes people will go to visit their loved one and they'll see signs of physical abuse, uh, psychological abuse, or even sexual abuse or exploitation even. And, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll have someone in a nursing home who's, who's happy and, and fit when they get there and then, uh, for some inexplicable reason, suddenly a family member might find, you know, unexplained bruises, uh, changes in behavior. Um, they might find their loved one suddenly emotionally upset, agitated, or withdrawn. Uh, they might unfortunately find bruising or uh, uh, wounds to to 
you know, the breast or the genital area. You know, I mean, just a lot of horrible things that a family member uh, might unfortunately find sometimes. Okay, and if if a family member finds himself in this position that they that they notice these things are going on, either the the emotional or psychological trauma or the physical trauma that their loved one has suffered, what steps do they need to take? I know some people would rush out and get an attorney, and, and ultimately that probably is the way to go, but what steps should someone take in looking into that? Well, I think, first of all, uh, is the nature of, of the problem they see. If it's something minor, you know, if it's something that, that appears easily corrected, uh, you can do that with the staff at the nursing home, bring it to their attention, and and it might be something that gets fixed right away within the facility. But if you see the things that, that, that I mentioned, the, the physical ones, the uh, sudden change in psychological behavior or the, even the signs of sexual abuse, if, you, if, if something like if that is witnessed, I think what the, what the person really needs to do is call 911. Um, you know, don't, don't be shy about it. I mean, if you see a, a, a serious problem like that, call 911. Uh, okay. So we're, we're talking about... Involved. Right, and we're talking about much more than than uh, the lunch tray got brought late, or That's you right. know, th- th- there That's was right. because of an emergency down the hall, there was a a delay in getting that person to the bathroom. We're talking about serious situations where there might be bruising or or, or other physical trauma, or if the person That's is right. able to the the patient or the uh, resident is able to communicate. That's what's right. Taking them. Art- That's right. Uh, you call 911. Don't be shy about it. Get someone involved in it right away. And then most states uh, also have a long-term care ombudsman. Uh, there's one here in South Carolina, and and get them involved too, because uh, while law enforcement is uh, looking into uh, whether or not a, a criminal act has occurred, the ombudsman can launch an investigation as well uh, to to investigate uh, whether the particular nursing home is operating within standards. Mm-hmm. So the first things to do, uh, if you see something really bad, is to call 911 and the ombudsman. Okay. Um, if, you, if, you see, if it's something that, and also, and like you mentioned, uh, at some point along the way, you probably do want to get an attorney involved, at least to investigate the matter and see if there's uh, a potential for, for litigation if necessary. Okay, and, and I think at that point, too, the the history of that particular facility should be looked at and whether there have been numerous violations or citations by Absolutely. by the state or by uh, this ombudsman, for instance, which I guess acts as a liaison between the family and the the facility. Is that the That's role right. of the ombudsman? Okay. That's the role. Mm-hmm. So in, in this particular case that you and I worked, which was, a, I think, a little bit different, a little bit unusual, um, if you would just talk about that and how that came to be. Well, um. Jack and I had just gone into uh, private practice, like I, like I mentioned before, and uh, we got a call from a, a North Charleston police officer uh, who we had gotten to know through our uh, job as prosecutors that an incident had happened in a, in a uh, local nursing home that seemed odd, and the resident was in the hospital. And we went and uh, we met with the family and, and saw that this woman was in the hospital with a very traumatic head injury. Um, and she could not articulate what had happened uh, in any meaningful way. Uh, the, the family was very upset about the circumstances. And long story short, when the, when the lady was found in her room with this head wound, uh, it appeared that the scene had been cleaned up. 
that, I mean, there was no way that she could uh, be in the position she was in without blood all over the place. That clearly, someone had had covered up what had happened to her and hadn't reported it to anybody. And the family was very persistent in making sure the truth was uncovered. Uh, the facility really wasn't much help. Uh, law enforcement got involved, investigated the case. Uh, we even had a uh, coroner's inquest to look into the circumstances of, of the death, and that's pretty rare in Charleston. I don't, I don't even know if they've had another inquest since then. That yeah, and I think at the time that that was actually the first one, the first one that had happened, at least for that coroner who had been there for a very long time. That's right. And, and it's um, been determined. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say through the persistence of the family and and uh, law enforcement, um, it was determined that. Uh, that a caregiver had uh, had rolled her off the bed. She struck her head on the corner of the table and ultimately died as a result of uh, the wound. And uh, the woman was convicted, the caregiver was convicted of uh, involuntary manslaughter. And in this case, too, what, what, what made it bad, and probably, although it was bad anyway, it would not have been to, to that degree if, if the caregiver had immediately called someone and said, help me out here, There's the lady's hit her head, you know, it's, there's been an accident. But she actually took great steps to cover it up, clean up the blood, uh, make all the, the evidence that would have been there go away. That's right. Without any concern for, yeah. yeah, I mean, without any concern for whether reporting it immediately or not might have, you know, gotten her immediate medical attention and who knows she might have survived uh, right yeah that right. was bad so the, so the cover-up in that case uh made things a whole lot worse and made things a whole lot worse for her and she was like you said she was ultimately prosecuted and and punished yeah. so if uh so if a family comes to you and and there there has been some action in the nursing home facility that they believe is either either criminal or maybe causes the facility some civil liability, then um, as attorneys, you would look into that claim, investigate the claim, check with the state regulatory agency that licenses the facilities, and yep. and do your own due diligence. And do our own investigation. That's mm-hmm. right. And then Through see the whether or process. not... Right, and see whether or not there is a, a, a an action or whether you need to follow a, a suit... Or, or in the, like in the case of the other one, uh, work with law enforcement to make sure that it's um, addressed and, and prosecuted. Correct. So, so Glenn, I, I really appreciate you being on today and talking about that from a lawyer's perspective. And and uh, the, one of the chat questions that came across was, how can a person check complaints against nursing homes before putting one's loved one in that home? Now, I know in South Carolina we have... A, a regulatory agency that, that deals with nursing homes and does inspections, and, and pretty much every state has that. Mm-hmm. I think they do, and I mean, you know, in a lot of online case searches, you can just go on your computer and see how many times the the nursing home has been subject to a lawsuit. For example, you can mm-hmm. do that online. You know, check okay. with your regulatory agency. Um, you know, look around the facility, make sure it's clean, make sure it's adequately staffed, make sure that the residents look. Happy and and, and uh, well nourished. Um, it's an important decision to make. 
Okay. I agree with you. It is an important decision to make, and, mm-hmm. and there are certainly facilities out there that do a real good job. So, Glenn, thank you sure. so much for being with us. I really appreciate it. And uh, our next guest today is Kelly Riddle. Kelly is a private investigator in Texas, and he's he's written a book that I bought many years ago called Nursing Home Abuse Investigations. And, Kelly, welcome to the show. Is he there? Kelly, are you there? Yeah, Vicky, can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had my phone on mute and didn't realize <laughs> what happened. That's quite all right. Um, I wanted you, Kelly, to uh, to talk about yourself a little bit, talk about your your background in investigations and, and, and what brought you to write the Nursing Home Abuse Investigations book. Okay, great. Yeah, I have uh, about 30, uh, 31, 32 years of investigative experience, and I was a police officer for seven years and then uh, been in uh, private investigative work for the balance of that time. And, and uh, I got involved in nursing home abuse investigations kind of out of the blue. I had an attorney call me up one day, and he indicated that he had 20 um, potential witnesses that he needed to have interviewed, and he said that I uh, already had a private investigator interview uh, most of those, and he didn't get any statements at, at all. And he said, "I'm just a little, just uh, I'm a little concerned about that." So it involved a nursing home case, and he kind of gave me the, the, you know, the preliminary background information on it. And I went out and interviewed uh, the, the people, and I think I got 17 out of 20 people that gave me some really, really good um, statements pertaining to that case. So it just snowballed from that point on. He started, he happened to be a plaintiff attorney, and he started giving me all of his work. And then, you know, attorneys know attorneys, so they started uh, word of mouth, uh, you know, kind of built into a point where it was a major, uh, it's a major part of our investigative agency. Okay. And and uh, also that resulted in the Nursing Home Abuse Investigations book, which I, have, I say, I think I told you when we talked, I bought this book, I think, in about 1997 or 8, maybe. And and have used it on some cases, and it's been very helpful. Um, Appreciate that. One uh, one chat line question that we just had online, and and I I plan to address this with you anyway. Is is these licensing authorities um, not only license these these uh, facilities, but they also inspect? Correct. That's correct. That's and correct. some of these some of these facilities are 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 owned by big corporations. There might be ABC corporations that owns nursing homes in a bunch of states or a bunch of nursing homes in one state. But mm-hmm. sometimes they're they're corporate rather than than locally, privately owned by, say, a family, for instance, or something like that. So when you have that kind of situation, how do you go and and find out how many times this particular nursing home has been sued or a nursing yeah. home corporation has been sued? Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, you're absolutely right on all of the counts. Uh, most of the time, it's been my experience that, first of all, they know that the inspectors are coming so they can prepare for it. And then secondary to that, it is a, a shell game. A lot of the corporations will change their names because they are getting, uh, you know, a large number of claims and lawsuits filed against them. And so they, 
you know, the thing that you have to do is not only check the current name, but you need to check with the Secretary of State and maybe the State Comptroller's Office and find out, uh, you know, other names that that facility may have gone by so that you can research that. And you can always go to your, your local courthouse, and and, um, and and a lot of courthouses now are online, and it's free to the public, so you can do a, a district uh, uh, clerk, district court search for any lawsuits associated with that, and, and or, you know, hire a private investigator, obviously. And you can also go to websites like healthgrades.com. There's, there's that one and many more, and they actually post the grades when they're inspected. So when, whenever a nursing home is inspected, they, they list what grades they got, what their deficiencies were, and uh, kind of gives you a, a better idea of what you're looking at. Okay. And and um, I know, too, that that uh, attorneys and paralegals and, like you said, investigators have access a lot of times to to PACER and LexisNexis and some other websites that show legal cases that might have involved have involved these different corporations nationwide. And and you made a good point too about how a lot of times when something happens they will change their name and start start operating under another name. So another good place to look is who was the CEO of these facilities? Who was the registered agent of these facilities? Because then you want to check under that person's name as well. Yeah, absolutely, and you know, and each jurisdiction, uh, each jurisdiction is different. But I always try to do what's called an address survey through the police department, and um, in, in most jurisdictions, it, all you have to do is cite that it's a you know you, you're making this request under the Open Records Act, and you can get all police calls associated with that particular address, which means you know we found things that you can't even imagine that uh, the police were called out. Uh, for because of the situation that was occurring, but there never was an arrest, so therefore, you, you know, you wouldn't find anything associated with an arrest or any uh, uh, charges, you know, that, that came from that. But you will find where uh, we had one nothing home where the employees on the midnight shift started having tailgate parties, and they turned the music up and got so loud that uh, the neighbors had to call the police on them. And so, you know, there was about two people in the whole nursing home uh, tending to the patients while everybody else is outside actually drinking beer and having a party. So, mm-hmm. you know, you, 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 learn, you learn things through that method. Uh, and and like, like I said, sometimes, you, you know, it's, it's open to the public, and if not, then again, you know, hire a private investigator. Right. Because, and, and I think your point is, is, is spot on when you're talking about doing a, a search on that address and see how many calls were made to that address, and not only that, but maybe, maybe neighboring addresses too, in case you've had a shooting or stabbing or some burglaries in the in the area and things like that that you might want to yeah. know about as a family member. So, so yeah, I think um, I think that's a very good point is to do that that law enforcement search for any calls that have been made there. Kelly, we're going to take a break. We're we're at that point, and when we come back, I want to I want to talk about the uh, inspections a little bit more in ratings and also employees and some of the problems uh, involving employees. So we're going to take a break. You're listening to PI Answers on Hear Women Talk, part of the Zeus Radio Network, and we'll be right back. Hi, folks. This is private investigator Vicki Childs, host of the Vicki Childs Show on Hear Women Talk Radio. How safe is your cell phone? Is someone listening to all your calls or reading your text messages? How about your computer? Is someone watching all your keystrokes? Or do you 
want to know what your child, your employee, or your spouse are doing on a computer or cell phone. If you need computer or cell phone forensics, do what I do. Talk to Steve Abrams at abramsforensics.com. Steve is a highly respected and skilled forensics expert as well as an attorney. Contact Steve Abrams for a free 15-minute consultation at abramsforensics.com. That's abramsforensics.com. Or click on the Abrams Forensics banner ad on Hear Women Talk and use promo code HWT. Welcome back to PI Answers. I'm your host, Vicki Childs, on Hear Women Talk, part of the Zeus Radio Network, produced and broadcast by Zeus Radio Network. And uh, our special guest today is Kelly Riddle, a private investigator who has written nursing home abuse investigations available at Amazon or any of your bookstores. And also, Kelly, is it available at PIMall.com, too? Yes, it is. It, it does Ralph is. have it on there? And he does. Ralph has it there. And then it's also available through my website as well. So okay, KelmarPI.com, Kelmar right? Kelmar, K-E-L-M-A-R-P-I.com. Yep. So, so I encourage anybody who's going to have a, a friend or family member go to an assisted living facility or nursing home to get a copy of Kelly's book and read it because it's it's great to make yourself aware of problems that can happen regardless of whether they ever do. And we've had a lot of chat going on in our chat line, Kelly, about hiring and credentialing of the people that are hired. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, you know, I, I know background investigations are very, very important, and I do a lot of them for pre-employment in other places. I, I haven't done any for pre-employment in um, – I've done some for private, like if you're going to have a, a live-in or – a home health type person, but I haven't done them for nursing homes. But what is your experience in what you found with the nursing homes and whether they do backgrounds and how detailed they are? Well, that's the, that's the key. You know, background means something to, to, different to everyone else. I mean, we actually do a lot of backgrounds as well. And one of the companies that is not a nursing home, but uh, one of the companies that we do uh, them for, they told us all we want you to do is run a background in that particular county because if you run a statewide or you know national, we won't be able to hire anybody. But mm. you know by doing, by running just the local county, they can tell their clients that yes, they run a background. So you know it's different things to different different people, and it's not apples to apples. And the problem with nursing homes, I you know I have done spent a lot of time trying to offer them our services to do background searches and do it at a very very cut rate. To try to try to help resolve this situation, and not one of them have taken me up on it. And their initial reply is that they have to be licensed by the state, so the state will run a background on them, which inevitably is true, except for the fact that most agencies are are burdened and they have you know they don't have enough staff, and so uh, it's not uncommon for a background result not to come back for three to six months. And, uh, you know, a person can do a lot of damage in that time. And, you know, if, if, they're, if they've got assaults on their backgrounds or violence or, you know, drug issues or, you know, heaven forbid, a pedophile or something like that, I mean, they can, in, you know, e- even if it's uh, a month, someone like that can do quite a bit of damage. And, and uh, so, you know, the bottom line is uh, not all of them are doing backgrounds. You know, we had one in, in uh, one state that we were working on, and they, when they finally got into a, a real problem, the police walked in there, and on the uh, uh, red, uh, direct director of nurses' desk 
was a stack of background forms that were never sent in, and they were just on her desk. Mm-hmm. So, and, so, and, and, a lot, and, and like you said, too, background investigations mean different things to different people. When, when I'm doing them, I encourage whoever I'm doing them for, especially if it's pre-employment, um, to, if this person has lived in another state, check mm-hmm. those states, too. And, and if those states don't have a statewide, a statewide criminal history search, we do in South Carolina and most of the states do nowadays, but if they don't, and you have to go county by county, that, that it's worth it to yep. catch yep. something and prevent. And the other thing too, and I found this in a lot of industries, not just nursing homes, but also even in law enforcement, is that if somebody gets fired from one facility, they'll just move to another. Yeah, They'll move exactly. to another, even though the reason they were fired should prevent them from being able, number one, to even get their license renewed if it's reported. Mm-hmm. But also, um, you know, sometimes I don't even bother telling uh, when they get a phone call that from a, right. a new employer that says, hey, I'm just checking on Sue, and was Sue a good employee? They'll just say, oh, yes, yeah, Sue, was, Sue was fine. She just left because she uh, wanted to change of scenery or whatever. Yep, that's a valid point because you know, especially if I if I'm doing a case and it involves you know a, a big corporation, it's not uncommon for them to tell the employees that the person got terminated, and if you just check, they end up uh, being employed at one of their other agencies, you know, one of their other nursing homes and stuff. So, um, and that makes my job a little bit easier because. And Vicky, as you know, as an investigator, you know people are very routine, most of them. And so, if they if they are working at a particular nursing home, that means that they more than likely live near that nursing home. And so, you know, what I always do if I'm trying to locate a witness is just check the same geographic area, you know, the nursing homes that are in that geographic area. But um, you know, backgrounds are, are definitely one part of of the overall package. But you know, part of it is just doing a physical examination of the nursing home because. A lot of these were were built uh, 30, 40 years ago, and they were built at a time where they only had one person in that room, and they've been remodeled, and they've, you know, stretched it into two people into a room that was only supposed to accommodate one, and they also don't have enough uh, shower facilities. So it's it's not uncommon uh, for a nursing home facility to have uh, group bathrooms, which means that on even number days, the left side of the hall gets a bath and on the odd days the other half gets it well problem with that comes into you know if you've got a patient that that uh, has some kind of medical condition or if you're having uh, you know an inspector in there or family issue whatever the case may be they may not get a bath today and it could be you know four or five days before they actually uh, receive that bath and the problem with that is in elderly uh, hygiene is uh, a major issue with uh, deterioration, skin deterioration, you know, so uh, the big problems is keeping them fed and, and, and eating, getting the proper nutrients, and keeping them clean, and if they don't have those things going for them, uh, then you get into a lot of complications, and that all, always revolves back to the fact that most nursing homes are understaffed, and therefore, you know, they, they just can't keep up with all of that. Yeah, underst- I think understaffing is a big problem, and also under training, and, and a lot of people who either get a CNA, a certified nursing associate um, a degree or, or, or an LPN license, practical nurse license. They, they are, they've gone through this, this training for their CNA or LPN or 
whatever it might be in in different states but they don't they haven't gone through the training on how to deal with elderly patients who are agitated some are are totally not um, not not communicative they're not able to communicate for whatever reason they're not physically able to get in and out of bed and they're not trained with that kind of thing and mm-hmm. and that's a totally different situation than working in a children's ward or or a hospital of of any kind where where the patients are there a day or two and then they're gone and um, so I think it's a whole different kind of environment and scenario Um, we had a we had a chat question and you and I have have mentioned this before talked about this before about putting a camera in in rooms and in your experience what have you found what kind of problems and uh, hurdles have you found with putting cameras in rooms there's, there's a lot of them. First of all, it's, it's more difficult than it sounds just from a, from a, a physical standpoint because um, in, in most, most nursing homes, the, the, the patient's room itself has a limited amount of furniture in it. So anything that you introduce into that environment, it, it may be noticed. And so the most likely thing to do is, is you know, introduce a, an alarm clock or a wall clock or a lamp or something like that. And, you know, you can buy those right on the Internet nowadays and from uh, uh, Ralph Thomas at Spy Exchange down in Austin. And, uh, you know, he sells all that kind of stuff. But, again, you got to introduce it into that environment. And um, uh, from the legal side of things, you have to be careful if there's if it's a room with two patients in it. You can't – got to make sure that you're not photographing – the other patient who is, uh, you know, undressing or, uh, you know, they're entitled to their own privacy and those kind of issues. So it's, it's just not a not a super, uh, simple endeavor to do. Yeah, I would think that it, that it would be difficult either for video or audio. And like you said, if they have a, a roommate who's not part of the plan to put the camera in there, then you've got privacy issues that you have to be concerned about. And actually, if the, if the nursing home itself knew that you wanted to do that they would probably be opposed to it because that's mm-hmm. that that's a way to to catch them when they might not want to be caught or mm-hmm. at least might not want to be caught on film so yeah. um so we've talked a little bit about backgrounds and and i think the criminal history in various states is very important and and not just the state that person resides in at at the moment and these are these are things too that it, I would encourage anybody who has a loved one in a nursing home or plans to put somebody in it is to not only ask if background investigations were done on the employees, but ask what kind and how detailed they are and perhaps even ask to see what it is that they have done on this person and whether various states or various counties were checked. And also... Um, I want to address inspections just for a minute because we we touched on it briefly before, but the agencies that are responsible for the inspections, you mentioned doing unannounced inspections. Are most of the ones that are currently done announced? They're not supposed to be, but but, uh, every, uh, almost, as many nursing homes as I've done, I can't say all of them because I can't remember that that well, but uh, uh, the majority of the nursing home cases that I've worked on, when I ask that question, you know, do you... Do you know the inspectors are on their way? And they inevitably say, absolutely. You know, we always have a day or two notice ahead of time. And yeah. uh, and they they pull stunts like, uh, you know, I had one uh, facility that told me that if they saw an inspector coming in, 
they would get on the intercom and they'd say, you know, uh, marry your husband at the front desk, uh, marry your husband at the front desk, knowing that Mary's husband was deceased. So that's telling all everybody, hey, the inspectors are walking in, so, you know, mm-hmm. get, get everything in order. But, you know, inevitably, also, we have found that a lot of the nursing homes have closets where they stick clean sheets and little va- uh, vases with flowers in it and all the pretty stuff, and they put it in a closet, and they only bring it out when the inspectors are, are coming in. And so mm-hmm. everything looks tidy and, and uh, clean and everything else. And I've also found where... I've had people tell me that you know the, they they usually walk over to the to the time clock and and they look at how many cards are there to see how many employees are actually on staff for that particular shift. Uh, and I've had, I've had them tell me that you know they didn't look at the cards because if they did, you know, they had Mickey Mouse's name on it and all these made up names. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you know they just didn't they just took it at face value basically. Right, and so they look and see that there are a whole pile of cards there, so there must be a whole pile of employees. And what what have you found is or, or do you know what a good ratio, uh, patient to to healthcare staff ratio is, and and what do you typically find that ratio to actually be? Yeah, the, you know what is considered an, an acceptable is uh, one to eight, so you know one CNA uh, to eight patients basically. And uh, but I have seen it where I've had one for an entire hall, which may be forty to sixty patients, and uh, I you know it's not uncommon to see two uh, certified nurses assistants for uh, 20 people, uh, the, the 20, anywhere from 20 to, to 30 people. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that is if you, if you think this through a little bit, they're going to start at the end of the hallway, and when they first come on, they're going to go room to room checking. You know, if you've got somebody that's bedridden, they're going to check and see if they need to, need to have their, uh, their sheets changed and their adult diaper changed and, you know, if what, what their needs are. And a lot of the elderly people are, you know, we all know it. They they want attention and they want to talk, and and so they'll get hung up in there uh, for some time. And by the time they get to the end of the hallway, it's time to start over. And uh, and you know, getting that done, and then you then you add into that mix if they have to feed them, if they have to, uh, you know, give them their baths on that shift, uh, if they have to give them medicines, then then it gets a lot more complicated. So that, I mentioned eating earlier. Not, it's fairly common where they will bring the trays out in a big uh, cart that has doors on it and it's designed to keep the food warm. But if you watch them, what they'll do is they'll open those doors and they'll start taking the trays out and they'll walk in and they'll set the tray down and the person will say, you know, can you adjust the pillows? Can you give me some water? Can you, you know, can you move this? Can you turn the TV channel? Whatever. And uh, meanwhile, the doors open on the cart, so the rest of the food's getting cold. So the the people at the end of the hallway, they are now getting cold food set in front of them, and you know, it's hard enough to get them to eat without those kind of issues. So right, it's a complicated situation. Yeah, and and. Um one of the things you address in your book that people might not think about, they might think about abuse coming from the nursing home staff, either the, the, from the CNA up to the RN, up to supervisors, but also they can receive abuse, verbal and physical abuse from other residents. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, we've seen it all where um, you, you not only have you have clicks in, in any environment, and in a nursing home, it's not any different. You have patients that are they're clickish. You have uh, employees that are clickish, and uh, they take advantage of the weaker ones. and And so, you, if if you have a loved one in a nursing home, you really need to be cognizant of what's going on when a 
an employee or another patient walks near your loved one and if they've had a stroke and and uh, or they have some kind of medical condition where they can't verbalize uh, their, their, their thoughts very well, you really need to pay attention to them because we had one in particular that uh, the, the daughter noticed that when one male orderly walked into the room, her mother would tense up and, and draw up and her eyes would get almost a, a, a stare on it. And so the first time she didn't think about it, she didn't think much about it, she thought maybe she had some kind of pain all of a sudden, but this was a re redundant, reoccurring event. And so she worked out, a, a, you know, a, a sign with her so her mother would blink, uh, you know, twice for yes, once for no. And so she started asking her pointed questions, you know, are you afraid of that person and, uh, you know, have they touched you? And, and through the, those kind of communications, she was able to determine that, in fact, that orderly had been sexually abusing her. And, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, so you also have situations where a facility may not have their physical security uh, up, to, uh, up to speed the way they should where we had an incident where it was wintertime and a, and a guy on the streets that was a homeless individual had found the back door of the nursing home unlocked. So he walked in, and his main intent was to get out of the cold. But while he was there, he ended up raping one of the elderly ladies. And uh, it's all because they didn't have proper physical security. And, uh, and that's another thing you need to look at. If you're going to put someone in a, in, a, in a nursing home, you need to check those kind of things. You know, is it active? Do they have, do they have cameras in the hallways? They're not going to have cameras in the rooms because of privacy, but, you know, they should have, uh, uh, you know, cameras in the hallways or uh, around the perimeters of the nursing home and, and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And something that, uh, that recently came, well, not recently, but, has become more of an issue, I think, because of the the number of patients who suffer from dementia and Alzheimer's. Is people walking away? They they walk out the door, and it might be hours or days before they're found, and they don't have their mental faculties, so they don't know exactly what they're doing. And some nursing homes now I know are using a, an ankle bracelet or a wrist bracelet type situation. So if you walk by the the reader it will s send out an alarm or if the door is open there will be an alarm and and that's keeping the uh the, the alzheimer's patients and people who suffer from dementia from just wandering off that's assuming that it's all functioning properly you know exactly and, uh, and, and you know you were talking about the sexual abuse you know you get into addition, additional dilemmas because what if you're married and you, your wife is in that nursing home and, and Vicki you and I were talking about this where we had a case where an individual uh, had his wife in there and he was the primary uh, you know caregiver and he was the one that could sign her in and out and bring you know tend to her and everything else and he would come in to the nursing home and, and have sex with his wife and she had a catheter and some other, you know, some tubes and things going on and needles and, uh, 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 you know, some lines and stuff. And so it made it very painful for her. And the nursing home, you know, the staff all knew about it. And they all just kind of, you know, put their head down and, and didn't do anything about it. So when you ask, uh, pointed, point blank asked them about it, they said, well, you know, they're married and, and uh, you know, they have that uh, right as, as a couple to do that. And, uh, you know, my opinion was just the opposite. You know, she's physically not capable of doing that, and it's painful to her. Then, you know, they had a duty to, number one, ask her 
you know, she was capable of, of talking, so it wasn't like she was, you know, had a stroke or any of that kind of stuff. I mean, she was capable of communication, and they, they should have, number one, asked her that. No one bothered to, to even question her about that or, and or question her husband. You know, they mm-hmm. should have asked him. And mm-hmm. uh, so you have, you have situations that nursing homes sometimes have their hands semi-tied because they feel like, you know, they are an adult and they can, uh, you know, walk a block away to to a convenience store and, we had that very situation in in Houston, Houston, Texas, where uh, patients were allowed to cross a five-lane major thoroughfare to go to a convenience store, and they had accounts set up in the convenience store. And at the end of the month, they would pay all the the bills, and no one thought anything about it until one of the individuals got hit by a car, and hmm. you know the the family members all all of them became alarmed at that point because they were going, you know, we didn't know that you allowed them to do that. You know, and, and we we <laughs> we can't believe that you allowed them to do that. On top of that, you know, so uh, you know the, they're dealing with adults, and and sometimes you have the, the mentality in nursing homes like they are an adult. You know, they've worked their entire life. They have, uh, you know, they have they're still cognizant. They have good, reasonable uh, judgment and everything else, and that's true to some degree. And you know, you can't handcuff them and you know do all those kind of things. But they're in a nursing facility assisted living facility because they're not able to do everything for themselves like they used to be. So if, if my grandparents were actually in a nursing home, so I can I can say this, you know, I've, I had this discussion with my parents and my family and everything else, and so you are able to sleep at night because you're giving that supervision over to what you think are trained professionals who are going to supervise them and take care of them, and that's mm-hmm. not always the case. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and it, and it also pays to just be diligent and and look at things yourself and not let things go unnoticed. Kelly, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, I want to talk some about uh, uh, prevention and civil lawsuits, and also what what the uh, the concerned family member can do to keep a check on things. This is a uh, Vicky Child show of PI Answers here on Hear Women Talk, produced and broadcast by the Zeus Radio Network, and we'll be right back. Hi folks, this is private investigator Vicki Childs, host of the Vicki Childs Show on Hear Women Talk Radio. How safe is your cell phone? Is someone listening to all your calls or reading your text messages? How about your computer? Is someone watching all of your keystrokes? Or do you want to know what your child, your employee, or your spouse are doing on a computer or cell phone? If you need computer or cell phone forensics, do what I do. Talk to Steve Abrams at AbramsForensics.com. Steve is a highly respected and skilled forensics expert as well as an attorney. Contact Steve Abrams for a free 15-minute consultation at AbramsForensics.com. That's AbramsForensics.com. Or click on the Abrams Forensics banner ad on Hear Women Talk and use promo code HWT. Welcome back to PI Answers. Our topic today is nursing home abuse, and our special guest is Kelly Riddle from Texas. Kelly's a private investigator and author of Nursing Home Abuse Investigations, available online at Amazon or at Kelly's site, KelmarPI.com. So before the break, we were talking about uh, abuse not only by employees of nursing homes but by family members and who, who either come in and, and have sex with the patient or perhaps even family members who want to hurry up the 
demise of this person for whatever reasons they might have. So they they come in and they mistreat or maybe withhold food. There are all sorts of ways to abuse someone. Or and and um, it, while it's a, a tremendous problem, it's much harder when you're dealing with a family member doing that. One of the things, Kelly, we we talked about during the break, you and I, about charts and. Employees, nurses, CNAs, whether it's a CNA or LPN, RN, they're required to make entries into the, the person's medical chart about when they give them a bath, when they give them their medications, and numerous other things. Are, are the charts open to, if I'm a family member and I go and I want to see my relative's chart, am I able to do that? Uh Usually you are. That's uh, it should be. Let me put it that way. But a lot of the facilities uh, will not allow a patient to do that just because uh, they they say it's their policy not to. Um, and they quote you know HIPAA regulations, which are federal regulations against releasing information except to the patient, et cetera, et cetera. So unless you're the uh, direct caregiver and uh, and everything, they may not release it to you. But the, you know, the interesting thing about that from uh, an investigator's standpoint, I know you've seen it, Vicki, is that what happens a lot of times is they, they're supposed to document that at, you know, during the shift and by the end of the shift. And inevitably, um, in the majority of cases that we've worked on where the person uh, either died or had some severe uh, problems arise, I've had staff that told me that, the, the registered nurse and the director of nurses, nurses and uh, the CNA for that hall would go huddle in a room somewhere with the charts. And obviously what they were doing is going through the charts trying to fix things. And it's still it, you still catch them even when they do that because uh, if a person gets taken to the hospital because, you know, they, they have a, some kind of trauma or some kind of emergency and, and they just their health continues to, to decrease, they'll move them to a hospital setting. And when they do that, uh, they will always weigh them and check their vital signs and, and those kind of things when they check them into the hospital. And if you if you match up that chart with the last chart from the nursing home facility, a lot of times you're going to see that while they are weighing, you know, 100 pounds when they were checked into the hospital, they're showing them 120 pounds in the nursing home facility. So little things like that tell you that they're not weighing them every shift like they're supposed to because if they did, they would see you know, how they're decreasing in weight, and it should have been brought to the attention of, of the doctor. And and that brings up the other topic is, you know, there's a lot of things that are are neglect that is not typically abuse, but if, if you can have, uh, uh, have these things continue to happen and you add additional types of neglect onto it, now it becomes abuse. So, right. you know, it just depends on what it is that you're talking about. But, you know, failing to give them baths, failing to, you know, to, to uh, weigh them, failing to turn them every two hours if they've got bed sores, uh, those kind of things are, you know, the, they border on abuse. And if you compound them, they, they are abuse. Exactly. And I would think, too, that, like you said, if, if, if discrepancies occur, Especially if someone um, something happens and you expect certain notations to be in there and they aren't, or either they are they are subliminal and they're not really focused on and and entered as they should be, then those are warning signs too. And and before your loved one goes into the nursing home, perhaps as as a family, you should all agree that. Discussions to to avoid the HIPAA regulations. That discussions can take place with any of you, and maybe have that 
notated and written and whether it requires a healthcare power of attorney or whatever it requires but um, but have that available so that if it's the, the if, if it's the wife that's there and and only the husband has the contact and the children don't maybe the children can they can all meet and get it agreed upon that they all have the ability to ask those questions and receive those answers so that if there's a, a period of time that somebody can't go then somebody else can step in and and um, inquire as well and not just be limited um, you you mentioned in your book and I think this is a in most any profession but especially in this kind the whistleblowers and that there are whistleblowers who come forward with information sometimes that just just you know can blow up a facility but but in the case of true whistleblowers who have not an extra grind but actually have something to report um, it, it can be a big help and and shed some light on things that are going on there correct oh absolutely absolutely you know and uh, and it's really when they when they do that they're obviously jeopardizing uh, you know their livelihood and their job and and uh, they could be blackballed from that point on so when they do that you you really need to pay attention because they have a lot on at stake and we also where we get a lot of our information is from prior uh, employees because you know anybody that's worked there for any length of time knows what's going on they can tell you the clicks and they can tell you you know who the bad guys are and who mistreats people and and so a lot of times that's what we center on is we try to go find those individuals that used to work there because they haven't they don't have uh, that jeopardy any longer you know they can't be fired from that facility and uh, and that's normally where some of our better information comes from and and I think that's a good point and that's what I've typically tried to do too is find find former employees who either had contact with this patient and sometimes you can find that out from from either the person in the facility or the the family members of the person in the facility because they used to see these people all the time and suddenly Sue who really liked they really liked and who dealt well with their their mother is no longer there and so you go find Sue and say, Sue, why did you leave, and what was going on there, and can you help me out here? And and you get a lot of good information from former employees, not because they have a beef necessarily, but because they they were there and know the inner workings and can explain how things happen and also explain who they saw do bad things and, and uh, things that went unreported or things that went unreported for a long time, and then once they were reported, nothing happened to that person except to let them resign. Absolutely. Well, you know, and that's a key part of teaming with an attorney. You know, a lot of times you need an attorney uh, for different reasons, one of which is the ones that I usually work for, they will file a lawsuit against the facility because they can then subpoena records, and uh, and they will get a list of all, all their employees for the past two years or three years or whatever the case may be, however long that patient has been there. So through the subpoena process, uh, it gives you a lot of information. They also subpoena the charts from, you know, the hospitals and from the nursing homes, and then, you know, you can sit down and, as an investigator and, and review the charts and, and make sure that it all the timeline flows. And, you know, I've, I've had situations where the uh, the nurse that signed the charts, when you when you line it up with the, the pay uh, sheets and everything else, they were not even working that day, mm-hmm. you know, so... It shows you that they're they're basically forged in the documents because there's no way you know some, something's wrong with that picture. So, uh, teaming with a with an attorney has its has its purposes on a lot of different levels, but it also gives the information access to information. 
Exactly, and once a, once a case is in suit and the attorney has subpoena power, a whole bunch of records that previously weren't available to you will get available in a hurry. Somebody asked on the chat line if there is a, a website where people can go and and get reviews of nursing homes, perhaps much like uh, TripAdvisor.com or something is what they're what they're asking. Do you know of any site like that? Yeah, healthgrades.com. Uh, I think I mentioned that earlier. That's probably one of the better ones. But uh, healthgrades.com. Uh, with an S. Healthgrades, plural. Grades, okay. Yeah. And, uh, and there's a bunch of them out there. And, and a lot of times your state agencies, your licensing agencies, you can go to their website and you can also check and they'll have them posted there as well. So it's, you know, it's getting more and more prolific. But, uh, you know, you, you can look at those and, and almost every nursing home facility that's ever been inspected, and they all are, are going to have some deficiencies. You just, you just can't go into to, uh, a nursing home and not find something wrong. It doesn't mean that they're a bad facility, but, you know, the question is, what is it? that you're finding if it's because uh you know light light bulbs are out in the in you know in a room or you know something silly like that i mean that's just a maintenance issue but if it's because they keep finding uh patients with an extreme amount of bed sores proportionate to that nursing home facility then you know that they're not changing them they're not uh, you know bed sores occur because they lay a person lays in a position for too long and that area that touches the bed uh, starts breaking down and it also occurs because the person lays in their own urine and feces uh, for extended periods of time so you know there's a lot of telltale signs that you get off of the off of the, uh, those health grades and the other sites okay one thing that we haven't touched on and we have like a, a minute but I want you to talk just for a second about fraud and double billing and how some families are being double billed and yep, uh, and also the government's being double billed sometimes yeah, it's not uncommon if uh, if, uh, if they're on Medicaid or uh, something like that. If they if they're moved out of, of that facility for uh, an extended period of time, maybe uh, went to a hospital, etc. They're getting billed uh, twice. The Medicaid's being billed twice, and or if the family is paying part of that, uh, a lot of times they're getting money from the family, and they're also billing Medicaid. Even if even if it's a private pay situation, which means the family is paying 100% of it. A lot of times they'll turn it into Medicaid, and and, and so those are uh, more prevalent as well. So you know, if your if your loved ones are in that nursing home facility, it doesn't hurt to follow up on those kind of angles and and just make sure that you know the billing is proper. Okay, and uh, you've given us some terrific pointers today, Kelly. Some great information, and I really really appreciate it. Again, Kelly's book is Nursing Home Abusive Investigations, uh, available at your book retailer or online, and. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for all your good information. Also, I want to tell everybody if you have additional questions, you can contact me either through HWT or my website, which is blazerinvestigative.com. And Kelly's website is kelmar, K-E-L-M-A-R-P-I.com. So uh, don't hesitate to ask questions if you have any. And, uh, and get Kelly's book, especially if you have someone that you love in a nursing home. Kelly, again, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, I'll, I'll plan to see everybody next week here on the Vicki Child Show on Hear Women Talk, produced and broadcast by the Zeus Radio Network. Thanks, everybody, and I'll see you next week.